Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1973, Dick Clark hosted a new television game show called The $10,000 Pyramid. The premise of the game has two pairs of players competing one pair at a time against the clock. A player will give a one-word clue about a category. For example, they might have said something like this. Knife. Scissors. Hacksaw. Needle. And the other player guesses what they have in common by saying something like, things that you cut with. No. Things that are sharp. Yeah. Over time, this game show has evolved, as have the prize winnings. Today, the game show is known as the $100,000 Pyramid. Inflation probably had a little to do with that. Now, this morning, I'm not offering any prize money. and don't want any answers blurted out, but I do have one for you to try and figure out and think about. Cake, pie, smartphone, rumors, jewelry, pornography. If you came up with things that are tempting or some variation of that phrase, you are correct. In our gospel reading this morning, we hear about things... Satan said to tempt Jesus to sin. Luke wrote, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Here, Luke emphasizes the close cooperation of Christ and the Holy Spirit, stating that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit. Why was he full of the Holy Spirit? Well, for one reason, Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, as recorded in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. That event happened in the Gospel of Luke just before our reading this morning. Then, being full of the Spirit, he was led by that same Spirit into the wilderness or desert for 40 days, where he was tempted Continually. Now Luke doesn't tell us all of the temptations that Jesus experienced, but we do know that according to his human nature, Jesus was tempted. Tempted in every way, just as we are, as the writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Yet Jesus remained sinless. He did not sin. Jesus also was not exposed to Satan's attacks recklessly. It was God's will that this battle take place. That's why he was led by the Spirit. Luke then shares with us three of the many temptations that Jesus endured and overcame in the wilderness. Luke writes, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live 
by bread alone. During these 40 days, Jesus had nothing to eat. He was hungry. In His human nature, He was subject to the same needs that all of us have. He was extremely hungry and in need of food. And Satan tried to take advantage of this. Using the same approach as he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Satan tried to cause doubt. If you are the Son of God. If. If raises the question of whether or not Jesus truly is God's Son. And in so doing, Satan challenges Jesus. Command this stone to become bread. In other words, prove it. Prove you are the Son of God. Prove you are the Messiah. Perform a miracle. By performing a miracle according to the will of Satan, Jesus would have shown a lack of trust in His Heavenly Father to provide for Him. But Jesus shows His trust as the true Son of God and uses Scripture against Satan's temptation. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man does not live by bread alone. In this Old Testament passage, God wanted His chosen people of Israel to know that He was feeding them by the power of His Word. The Israelites often complained against God's gracious care in the wilderness. They were not satisfied with the food that God provided them. But here, Jesus does not complain. His trust in God's provision remains firm, even though He didn't eat for 40 days. Against this temptation of Satan, Jesus gives His followers an example of faith. As true God, He could have used a word of divine command in order to tell Satan to leave. But He did not do so. Instead, He used the written word of God, Holy Scripture. Luther calls our attention to this use of God's word when he tells us that in our battle against Satan, one little word can fell him. You may remember that from the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. You and I too should fight against Satan using the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God as described in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. The second temptation that Luke records for us begins at verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This approach of Satan attacking Jesus is again similar to the attack upon Eve. First he comes trying to sow seeds of doubt in the heart of a believer. Then follows it with a lie. Satan, of course, being the father of lies, as written in John 8, verse 44, claims for himself the power and authority which only God has. And so from a high mountain, Satan shows Jesus, all these kingdoms of the world and their glory. 
and says that He will give him all these things if the Savior simply bows down and worships Him. Satan arrogantly speaks as though he is the ruler of all things. Added to this lie is Satan's claim that he can give all this power and glory to Jesus. So that Jesus can become the great Messiah King by simply performing one little act of worship. After all, why should Jesus go the long, difficult way of suffering and death if this is a way to reach that same climax? But it reminds us of Satan's lies to Eve as well. Eat of the fruit and you will be like God. To her grief and shame, Eve found this out, but not Jesus. His quotation of Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, once again shuts the devil down. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. The third temptation that Luke recorded begins in verse 9. And He took Him to Jerusalem and set Him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to Him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In the first temptation, Satan tested Christ's trust in the Father's care to provide for bodily needs. Now he asked Jesus to prove this trust in God's saving power. Satan misuses God's Word as a proof of God's promise that He will protect us against all things by letting His angels guard us as found in Psalm 91. Since Jesus has used Scripture to resist the devil's temptation, Satan now uses Scripture to tempt Jesus. But Jesus overcomes it by using one simple sentence from Scripture. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. Jesus uses this passage in order to correct the meaning and context of that passage from Psalm 91. Our Lord interprets Scripture with Scripture. In other words, do not take a gracious promise of God and use it to tempt or challenge God by doing something that is contrary to His will. Then Luke tells us, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. The devil had met his match he knew he had no hope of success now. But as Luke reports, he refused to give up in his efforts to lead Jesus to sin. But merely left until an opportune time later. Satan would use different methods to tempt Jesus instead of confronting the Lord face to face. Jesus in His humanity used God's Word at every turn when tempted by Satan. You and I are able to fight off far more of Satan's temptations using God's Word as well. 
even though we won't ever know God's Word as well as Jesus does. You and I can and ought to use it just the same. We can and ought to spend time in His Word on our own. We can and ought to join a Bible study to become more familiar with God's Word. By so doing, we can learn so much more about how to ward off these temptations of the devil. Think of it this way. Let's pretend you're a vehicle. You can be any vehicle in the world that you want to be. Perhaps a shiny red convertible or a nice shiny big black truck. Since it's March in Fargo area, that means it's pothole season is starting to ramp up. Those potholes are temptations. We try to avoid them, but sometimes we don't. Some of them we don't see coming, while others we know are there. And because they're filled with water, yeah, let's go ahead and drive through and make a big splash, because that's cool and fun. But what happens after that big splash? Among other things, now your vehicle is out of alignment. Your bright, shiny car or truck is now dingy and dirty, especially once it dries. Because you allowed that pothole, that temptation to lead you to sin, now you have to deal with the consequences. Now your vehicle needs to be realigned. Now your vehicle needs to be washed. It needs to be made clean. So how do we realign our vehicle? We go to our Lord Jesus and confess our sin. He eagerly awaits His people to repent and seek His forgiveness. As a baptized child of God, you and I ought to daily repent so that our Lord will wash you clean of your sin. But how can we do better? How can we do better in the future and avoid those potholes? Many of those potholes could have been avoided if we knew where to look. If we knew what to watch out for. God's Word is like a pothole map of the city. His Word tells you what streets or areas to avoid. Especially those problem areas that you and I have in our lives. If alcohol is an issue, go home from work a different way. That way you avoid driving past that liquor store. If pornography is the problem, set up restrictions on your phone or electronic device to not allow it. God's Word warns us where the potholes are in our life. He gave us His Word, including the Ten Commandments, to direct us in His ways to watch out for the devil's deceitful schemes. The devil knows your weaknesses and will use that knowledge to damage your relationships with God, your loved ones, and one another. Use God's Word to ward off the temptations of the devil. But when you fall short and drive through a pothole on purpose or otherwise and make a mess of things, Bring your dirty vehicle to the car wash where it will be clean for you. In other words, bring yourself to God's house. Confess your sin and receive the forgiveness that Jesus bought for you on that cross. 
It's a far better clean than any car wash because your sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb. It's like the prophet wrote in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Like fresh fallen snow. It's clean. It's white. It covers our sin. Jesus forgives you and gives you His righteousness. He suffered and died on the cross and rose from the dead, giving a resurrection victory to you and for you. You are forgiven and free. Jesus lived a perfect life for you. He used God's Word to avoid all of Satan's potholes that were in the road. And He filled each pothole with God's Word, paving the way for you to live forever with Him, which is far better than any prize on a game show. To God alone be all the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.